You are listening to the Lead Big Red podcast from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Educational Administration Department with your hosts, Dr. Shavana Holman and Dr. Scott Sturgeon. Welcome to the Lead Big Red podcast. My name is Scott Sturgeon. I am an Associate Professor of Practice at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and with me today is... Good morning, everyone. My name is Shavana Holman. I am an Assistant Professor of Practice also at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the Educational Administration Department. And this morning, we have with us Ms. Sue Casada. She will share a little bit about herself and introduce herself to us. Welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, Sue Casada, principal of Lincoln East High School in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, welcome, 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 Sue. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, join our podcast this morning. We are very excited to have you. And we're just going to hop one right in if you're okay with that. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. So our very first question, age old question, why did you decide to become a school building principal? That's great. It's been so long now. It's kind of hard to remember. Um, I like having the same influence on adults as I did on kids. And what I mean by that is when you're in the classroom and you got an opportunity to whisper into the kids' ears, have you thought about doing this? Or have you thought about becoming or pursuing this? I see the role as building principal is much the same way of having that same influence and opportunity to whisper into the ears of adults. Hey, when you do this, it's really powerful. Have you thought about leading a professional learning? Have you had the opportunity to do this type of reading? Because I know it connects with what you're doing in the classroom. And so I see the role as building principal as being that same type of whisperer to a certain extent to the adults that I get the privilege of working with so that they see themselves having multiple possibilities and multiple opportunities to um um, to have significant influence in the lives of young people. So I guess that's, that's the reason I started it. And by the way, can you tell us how long you've actually been a principal? Sure. I'm starting my 14th year. And then I was um, just recently named or asked to lead the newest high school in Lincoln, uh, Standing Bear High School. So I will leave East this year and then become um, the principal at Standing Bear High School uh, for the next year. Well, super congratulations to Thank you. Thank you. What are your non-negotiables as a principal? This is something that is undoubtedly going to come up as you as you as you introduce yourself to a new school community and a new staff. So what are some of those non-negotiables for you? The non-negotiables for me is that our responsibility in education is to prepare students for life outside. So a non-negotiable for me is that kids and students need to have the skills to make them citizens of the world beyond uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. So they need to have, um, they need to have a skill set of uh, working with others, collaboration, problem solving, um, being able to listen and uh, for understanding. They need to be able to agree and disagree um, respectfully. Um, And then the non-negotiables for adults are that we're facilitating those conversations in a fashion that allows kids to develop those skills. So we are creating an environment where kids may not have some of those skills um, and may struggle to develop those, but we take them where they are and then we work them through those pieces. That's a non-negotiable. A non-negotiable for me is students are first. Um, They are the reason for the work that we do. Um, If they weren't here, we wouldn't need to be here. 
Um, and that and that's true of teachers, custodians, nutrition staff, counselors, everyone. They're the kids are the reason that we're here. And so all of what we do is to serve students well. Um, another non-negotiable for me is that we ask questions and and that questioning is a way in which to develop a deeper understanding of decisions that we make, actions that we're engaged in, um, community uh, discord in terms of those pieces of where does East High School or where does any of the schools that we serve fit into the kind of the community narrative. Um, and so we ask questions of those pieces. And then I think the last um, non-negotiable for me, and this is true for high school students specifically, is you have to have a sense of humor. You can't take yourself too seriously. You can't take the you can't take the kids too seriously in terms of their um, in terms of their choices or their actions because they're young adults whose um, frontal lobe isn't always connected, and so therefore they're not always going to make the best choices that they can. And you've got to you've got to love them through those choices so that when they're on the other side of that, they're going to make um, better or make different choices as a result of that. So those are my non-negotiables. Great, thank you so much. You're welcome. What would you say are the top three things you love most about being in school leadership? Um, I love the fact that every day is different. The only thing that's consistent in my day is lunch duty. And even that looks different every day. Um, So I love the fact that every day is different. I love the fact that I get to help people solve problems. And so whether it be a um, budgetary problem needing to figure out how we're going to pay for X, Y, and Z, whether it be an instructional decision a staff member's making with regard to they have a class in a classroom that's just not going very well and coming in and helping um, them kind of fine tune what needs to occur, um, helping a person, um, a parent who is struggling because their child is struggling. And so finding them the resources that, um, that they need to help their child be successful um, is, are three of the things that I love about being, an edu- being a principal. Um, I love the collaboration that I get to have with other building level leaders LPS is large enough that there are currently six, there will be seven high school principals next year with Northwest opening and then eight after Standing Bear opens. And I love the collaboration with other building leaders. Um, I like the listening to the things that they do to serve their community and then thinking about, well, what would that look like if we did that at East? What would that look like if we did that someplace else? And so I love that ability to collaborate and problem solve. Um, I also really enjoy adolescence. Um, I worked at Doan College for a number of years, and I enjoyed working at Doan, but what I realized is my life makes more sense when it's surrounded by kids and the rhythm that kids bring. So my life makes sense in the sense sense of five-minute passing periods and 50 minutes of calm and homecoming game, you know, and dances and that sort of situation. So I love the rhythm of high school and, um, and seeing kind of every year being unique from the lens of being a 16 year old when I start and still being a 16 year old when I end. 
this next one, it's going to, it's going to seem like I'm only asking you questions because of your, your um, recent appointment as a new principal, but I wrote these without knowing that at the time. Um, uh, but it's something I'm, I'm always curious about with regards to principal, which is how do you share your leadership uh, amongst your leadership team, however big or small it might be, uh, your teachers, the, the students, um, you know, what is it, how, how do you think about that, that process of um, getting uh, everybody involved in leading the school and creating the environment that you want to do to, to, to have, but that also allows you to protect yourself a little bit too. Um, one of the things that I think is really critical is the shared leadership idea. And the sense of the matter is, is that there are some choices and that are singular in a, in a sense. So there are some decisions that as the building principal, I have to be re- most responsible for and to. Um, most of them are HR decisions, most of them are personnel decisions, but every other decision involved in schools is, um, is really a collaboration between whether it be the department chairs and decisions that we make with regard to our master schedule and the staffing, whether it be the student equity group and the work that we do with regard to um, raising awareness and a cultural competency amongst our students. Um, what I try to do is empower others to have influence in and support their influence by um, listening, giving them the resources, asking questions, and that sort of, and that sort of um, situation. I think most people at East High School would tell you that there are very few times where it's in, where it's just Susan making certain choices that everyone has um, part is, is part of that process. So I'm lucky enough to work with a pretty large leadership team who we meet weekly to, and we make decisions about what happens in the school, whether it be how we organize readiness days to what our lunch configuration is going to look like to what our school improvement goal is to what, and how we um, focus our MTSS processes on. So it's really a collaboration and conversation. And then as a result, then actions that come about as a result of it. I've, that's always been modeled for me. So I don't, I don't know what it's like um, to work in a smaller environment where there are fewer people to talk with about those pieces. Um, So I, I don't have that lived concept. So I only know how to collaborate for the betterment of the environment and then empower others to take those pieces. So having people come to me and say, Susan, I'm wondering about and thinking those. So my questions then become, so how does that support our, our, our school mission and vision? Um, and then how does it lend itself to an increased um, opportunities for student engagement and building relationships for our two, which is our two school improvement goals. And then the quite the third question is that, and then how do I support you to do that? So as I think about supporting others and their leadership development, it's understanding that that their what they want to do has to fit within a certain construct, which is our vision, our mission and vision, but also our our school improvement goals. But then supporting them in doing those pieces, and then really just getting out of their way. Um, and so asking them how can I support, checking in with them to see how they're doing, but really empowering them to do that great work, and then giving them the credit and the opportunity to celebrate those pieces with the whole staff. It's kind of how I do it. I'm glad you touched on that, Sue, because um, you talked about conversations, collaborations, and then action moving forward. And what's interesting is I was actually had a question posed about um, um, hearing teachers um, and their thoughts about Mm decision-making in the building. I, I would say like when the last three to five years, I feel that, this has become more of um, 
an issue that a lot of teachers voice their, their concerns about, about not being heard and not being a part of the decision-making. And I read a, a very long, I mean, it's like 200 comments on Twitter. A teacher posed the question about why can't principals let us be more, you know, have our voice heard more about the decisions that are, are being made in, in our schools because most of the decisions impact us. And it was really interesting hearing the different perspectives um, from some administrators, mm-hmm. also from some teachers who I thought most teachers were going to say, um, you know, I agree with you 100%, but there was a, a, a young man who posted his, his response and it said, teacher, why can't we have more voice in the decisions that, were, that are being made in our school? And then it said, principal, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts. How about we meet today after school for a brief meeting so I can hear you out and we can discuss mm-hmm. things. And then it said, teacher, are you kidding me? Do you want me to come and meet you after school during my free time to come and talk to you about some school stuff? And so it's just interesting to see and to hear the back and forth and how people actually view um, what they feel is appropriate um, collaborative efforts in the decision-making um, within the schools or, or how much um, teachers actually understand, you know, well, there are some decisions that have to come from the principal, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. There can't be, um, you're, yes, we, we appreciate your voice and your voice mm-hmm. is and meaningful. Um, but there are some decisions that as the building leader, you have to make because you are in that position to, to make those critical um, decisions. And so thank you so much for, for sharing yeah. about that. Well, and you, you make me wonder about, I mean, I, and I, and I think staff is, I think some staff has always wondered about that decision-making process, but I think some of what they feel now is the decisions that were taken were presumed to, to be taken away had mostly to do with how we operate under COVID. Mm-hmm. And so there, and there is a different sense of organization and there is a different sense of kind of how we do business and what's the ebb and flow of what school looks like. Um, what I think is really interesting about that is we've tried to give voice when to the things that we that we've heard from staff is most important so for example um i'm going to do staffing the way lps does staffing is there's an allotment of of uh money for lack of a better phrase or points that are given to us as a building that we then take to chairs for them to discuss about how do we how do we spend that how do we allocate it given these constraints so here's what we need to make sure that we have so allowing their voice to be as part of the process to, to when I go to make my proposal as to how we staff these high school it's 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 a collaborative voice in that sort of situation um, we have a hard time as a building coming to consensus and that's the that's the problem for example so let's do um, cell phone policies. Um, cell phone, cell phones, most teachers would tell, tell you that cell phones are the bane of the existence, but in coming up with a universal policy that all people can enforce and be okay with, well, I use cell phones in my classroom in this fashion and I use them in this fashion, but I don't want to have to give up my right to do that to create this piece. And so I think building principles are trying to figure out, okay, where is that happy balance? What is it that staff want input on? And then how do we leverage that input then to make substantive changes and or policy or practices in the building and then what is it that staff would like voice in but it's not as necessary um and so it's knowing kind of how to flush that out to figure out how to give 
um, how to give advocacy to staff in a way that is going to be meaningful, knowing that there are some times where I, I can ask your opinion. A, the turnaround time is too fast. B, it's, it's a decision that ultimately I'm going to tell you isn't worth our time investing our discussion in because it's, it's not going to make a difference in terms of what the, the greater district may or may not do. Our voice in this is going to be minimal. So we're, we're going to not choose that mountain or molehill at that point in time, but we're going to choose a different one that's going to have a greater impact. So it's how to leverage those pieces and, um, and, and show staff that the advocacy that they're experiencing at that point in time is having an impact because here's the, here's the impact that it's having. Here's the direct decision that's come about as a result of it. And then here's how it's impacting your classroom. So it's just knowing where that happy medium is. So um, what is something that you wish you'd been more prepared for before becoming a, a principal, if there is anything? One of my responsibilities is to work with staff and um, who want, who think they want to become principals or want to become, and it's not even principals, but formal school leaders, because, you know, we have informal and formal school leaders. And so when they see themselves at this, at this point in which they see they want to transition to the form, the formality of the role, um, I, I don't think I understood what it would take to mediate adults. Because we go into schools, we go into teaching because we like kids, okay? We like adolescents. We like the age group of 14 to 16. Or if you're, you know, um, God love you if you're a middle school teacher because, you know, you're even better than I am. But we go, we go into teaching because we like kids and we like a subject. And sometimes we like the kids more than the subject and sometimes we like the subject more than the kids. And so when I made the transition to step out of the classroom, I didn't realize how much of my role would be with adults. And I've had to learn to be as patient with adults, which is sometimes really hard because they're adults and they should know better, but sometimes they don't. And so I don't know that I understood. I don't know that I understood the amount of time, and this is this is specific to the role as principal as opposed to assistant principal, at least how we do it at East. I spend a great deal of my time mediating adult relationships so that we're able to then continue the good things that we do. And that was something I was uh, ill-prepared for, um, mostly because, again, I, I just didn't have that mindset. So I think I wish I would have known that Although I don't think it would have changed my decision or my my opportunities, um, but it might have changed how I prepared for it differently. Thank you. And I think a lot of us don't think about that, right? Yeah. You're going to go in and you're managing a building, you're going to be doing lunch duty, you're going to be doing some paperwork, but you have no idea of the amount of time that you actually spend in your office, closed door with <laughs> the adults and yep. um, the issues that happen within the building, the, the, the personal issues that happen at home and um, just trying to navigate maneuver through all of that and, and help that person to um, still be the best version of themselves totally. working yep. in the school on behalf of the children and with their, their counterparts. So yes, thank you so much for, for um, sharing that because that is something that most do not think about at all when considering um, school leadership as a building principal. Exactly. And, and as I'm listening, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, how many times have I asked students in my courses that I'm teaching 
to deal with the problem of the content as it relates to, to adults that don't see IDI in their building because of that, right? Um, I know I can think of a couple of examples, but I can't think of enough to make me feel good about I'm helping that part out. So, so thank you uh, uh, for influencing me in, in that, in that regard, because uh, I remember quite a bit of the shock, you know, one of the things that, you know, the whole transition to administration is that whole perspective, you know, you back mm-hmm. up and you see a, a totally larger world, right? It's yep. just, it's just different. Um, and that, that in and of itself is a shock. And then there's that shock of, Oh, so many people don't do anything the way I did as a teacher or, totally. you know, or whatever. And, and it takes you a little bit of time to go, all right, they're different. And that's totally fine. Cause look how it's working for them. And that, that whole process, uh, but that interplay of when, it, when it doesn't, doesn't work between two of them um, absolutely is, is a challenge. You're not necessarily ready for if you haven't spent a lot of time thinking or, or have, or had someone model it. Well, and, and especially if you think about the fact that for the most part, everyone, you know, people who go into, I, I get along with adults. Mm-hmm. I partnered well with them. We collaborated efficiently. You know, I partnered with parents well. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know what that was like in terms of um, struggling in that, not struggling, but just even being, just being, I'm going to say stuck in the sex, really not the right yeah. word, just being kind of in this immovable space, not wanting to do, not wanting to move because my opinion, my thought, my idea at this point in time is, is right or correct. Or, um, and so it spends a lot of time um, just helping people navigate that adult interaction in a way that doesn't allow them to um, get in the way of really being their best selves right and so yeah so i was very unprepared for that yeah i've been a parent right of a growing teenager <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but even then i mean i'll be honest with you i struggle with i mean our son is 11 and i'm i'm struggling with helping my fan, my husband navigate that relationship and not you know it's like dude seriously he's 11 let it go i mean they're gonna be greater amount but yeah there's just this just, there is really just that that navigating that adult piece is just, it's, it's, it's hard. Cause that's not, that's not where people want to spend their time. They want to spend right, their right. time with kids and I get it. So um, I was in a, a meeting with educators that do tons of different jobs all over, all over uh, public ed and, and state department level and, and consultants and all that kind of stuff. And we're, you know, solving the world's problems kind of, kind of conversation. And uh, the whole idea of right now, people are too tired to do X, Y, Z. Like you can't, we can't ask um, this of, of teachers, of principals or whatever at this point in time, because, because they're too worn out from the pandemic. They're, they're too tired. You know, they, they've been covering too many classrooms. They, they can't, they can't handle that. And it brought it, it brought me to, to, to talk about uh, or make a connection to um when you are turning the school around, when you're when you're cha- when you're facing you know really massive challenges in a building, mm-hmm. um, but it hasn't turned yet. If you ask anybody in any given day if they can handle any more, they're going to say no mm-hmm. because right now they're putting it all put, putting it all in. But at some point in time, you if you're doing it the right way, you're going to come out mm-hmm. and 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 you're going to have different needs and you're going to have to put energy into different places because you no longer are fighting you know, mm-hmm. um, cult, culture, uh, problems or academic problems or whatever, it's going to be a different fight. And, and my connection to that was, well, when we come out of the pandemic, 
are we going to be ready for life without the pandemic again? Because so much of our time, energy, and focus has been on um, mitigation of uh, any, any number of effects that the pandemic has brought to our school. So my question for you, and, and that's, how I, that's how I thought about when I asked, when I, when I formulated the question, you can answer it contextually, however you think about it, but how are you setting up your school um, for life after the pandemic? Or how are you thinking about um, life after the pandemic? Because in many cases, and I'm not saying it's yours, but in many cases, people paused things that they previously believed were important. Uh, mm-hmm. People brought things fa- forward faster. Technology was one that everybody in, in some way brought forward way faster that they might have been um, t- uh, very conservative or hesitant on the pa- in the past. But, but we've got this, um, this kind of new arrangement of, of this thing got put on the shelf, this thing I kept going as much as I could, this thing, you know, I, I don't even think about it anymore. But so how are you thinking about, you know, post-pandemic, what, what, what does your school need to be doing? Prior to the pandemic, uh, when LPS passed the bond issue, we, um, I began preparing East High School for when the new schools opened because we would become smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, we would um, become uh, a more, you know, we're, we're at 2,300 kids, which is a, which is, which is not the largest high school in the state, but it's, right. it's, a it's large, up there. It's up there. It's a large, it's a large institution, you know, 155 certificated staff, um, and, you know, and a support staff of, of nutrition and, and custodians, you're, you're over, you know, you're over 3000 on, on, on any given day at a certain time. So preparing people for what that would look like and recognizing the fact that what we're trying to build is a really strong cultural piece, knowing that people are are going to leave and they're going to choose to leave. And some are going to be asked to leave because we don't have the same need for staff as we used to, but building a really strong foundation within them of what does collaboration look like? What does strong instructional practices look like? What does family um, partnership look like? And having a really strong foundation of those pieces. So when they then go somewhere else they're taking some of that with them and then establishing in in the space that they're that they'll land some of those kind of behaviors and so we began some of that pre-pandemic and then the pandemic hit and then we um had to renegotiate some of those ideas of what does quality instruction look like and there were some good pieces that came about as a result of the pandemic i do think um we're better utilizing technology as an instructional tool. Um, I think what we need to get back to is then some of what are those um, innate other tools look like. So what does paper and pencil now serve? How do, how do I use paper and pencil now in a means by which to think of brainstorming or collaboration or whatever it is we're doing and stuff. And so we've, we've learned and had to learn some really strong skill sets in terms of um, uh, technology. Um, I think we have become, um, better at, um, creating assessments that are, that coincide with what it is, the activity that we're doing. And then we need to become better about the grading practices. So I think we've let go of a few things with regard to grading. Um, and, and, and I don't know that we've let go of them. I don't know that we ever really had them. So it's not like all of a sudden our grading practices have become poor, but I do think that we need to go back to some of those fundamental pieces of knowing if these are my outcomes I'm measuring, and then this is how I'm going to assess it. What is the best, what's the best means by which to provide feedback in that loop of learning um, is something we, we've got to go back to. Um, I think we have become disconnected with the importance of 
face-to-face -face interactions. Um, so for example, we got really used to having our staff meetings on Zoom. So when we came back to having staff meetings in person and building that community of staff has really been a critical piece. Um, so we, sp we spend time doing our own restorative circles and building that sense of culture amongst ourselves because for a year and a half, we became really insulated and isolated in the department and in the area. And if I didn't have to interact with an, uh, a member in science who's upstairs on second floor and I'm downstairs in the basement, I, then I don't need the, to know them. So I think we have to go back to kind of building a culture and building a community because we've let go of some of those pieces because um, I wasn't required to invest in others like I had been before. So I think that's an important piece. I think the other thing that we've set aside um, because of the pandemic is we've, um, we've kind of set aside some um, uh, support mechanisms by, by helping kids. Kids don't know what it's like to be a high school kid. You know, the, our, our seniors are really the only ones that have had a year that was uninterrupted by the pandemic. And so we have an opportunity at this point to really think about what does it mean to be a high school student? How do we teach that? Because we have to teach it now and more intentionally than we ever had before. And it, it's, a, it's, as, it's, as, it's as simple as, um, for example, our out-of-class movement forms right now show us that kids are having struggling with following simple directions because we've not defined what a simple direction is. What is a simple instruction in your classroom? What does that look like? What does it sound like? What, is, what, is, what do you expect students to be able to do? Because previously I could have told them to take a seat or come prepared. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't mean something different now. And so I think coming out of the pandemic, we have to go back to some of those, what we consider basics about being a high school student. And we need to really intentionally teach it because the reality of it is, is in our, our, our students and our young people's lives have looked so different in terms of school that if those are the important pieces and whatever those important pieces are, we've got to say, okay, as an institution, here's how we're going to approach it. Here's what we're going to teach kids. Here's how we're going to support their, their acquisition of that skill. Here's how we're going to reteach it when they don't acquire it, because they're not going to the first time or the second time. And then how do we then continue to support and that sort of situation. So I think really going back to the basics of, because prior to it, we could just say, you know, this is what a high school student is. I don't think we have that definition anymore. And we've got to redefine that. Great. Hopefully answer your question. Yeah, no, it, it does because you're, um, you know, I think about it from my perspective, which is, which is totally different than, than yours in, uh, in your current situation at, at a high school and what mm -hmm. that's looked like. And just that idea of, um, student experience mm -hmm. is not even remotely nope. the same. Nope. Um, they got to know people in a different way. Um, you know, you, you, they learn, they can probably read people's eyes way better than, than I could at oh, their yeah. age, but yep. they don't, but they don't have the rest. Nope. Right. I mean, there's just so many things. So, so I, I think that's a great point that you make that, you know, your seniors are the only ones that know high school normalcy as it used to be known. Mm -hmm. And now you're in, in a sense, rebuilding it with uh, people uh, that, that have, that maybe lost most of middle school or all of middle school. And now we're in this new space and they're like, well, what is it supposed to look like here? Cause I don't know. And, and like you said, with the, the adult relationship piece, mm -hmm. that changes it too, because totally. that whole idea of, well, I know you're in, um, Dr. Holman's class. We talk, 
well, that might not happen anymore because they don't have incidental conversations about students that they're tr both trying to help. I mean, so that's, uh, you know, th there's some really interesting pieces I, and some good stuff there. I, I appreciate that. No problem. So staying along this topic of uh, the pandemic um, and thinking about someone who is interested um, in potentially becoming a, um, an administrator at a school, mm -hmm. what would be your recommendations to anybody that's thinking about becoming a school leader um, in an administrative role? And would you say that your recommendations um, right now as they stand are different than they were possibly pre-pandemic? Uh, that's a great question. And no, I mean, any person that I think wants, who wants to become a high school principal, I can support, but pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, you got to love the lifestyle. So there being a high school, and, and I've never been anything but a high school administrator. So I can't speak to middle level or elementary, although I would assume, I, I think there are some similarities. There's a lifestyle, you got to love the lifestyle. So if I, when I taught high school, I loved the lifestyle. I loved going to the events. I loved going to um, uh, support students. I liked going to the graduation celebrations. I liked um, going to a store and having a parent come up and talk to me and that's your situation. You have to love the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I, and you have to just, and you have to love that. So if a person wants to go into into, into service in this fashion, I think they have to love the lifestyle. If you don't love the lifestyle as a teacher, you're certainly not going to love the lifestyle as an administrator because you have additional responsibilities to that lifestyle in ways that, you know, as a classroom teacher, I could, um, I could not go, you know, so like as a building principal, if we um, don't have supervision at an event, that's my responsibility to do. Um, if we have a student who, um, uh, for whatever reason, is uh, unable to go home at that point in time, and we're working to try to find um, safe and secure housing for them, and other people have left, then that's my responsibility to stay and, and help figure out. So you have to love the lifestyle. So I don't think my recommendation has changed at all, because the people that, and Scott can even attest to this, when I was working at Doan, people that were thinking that they wanted to do it, they had to be ready to let go of certain things. So like if you were still coaching, if you loved coaching, okay, and you weren't ready necessarily to give that up, then then my recommendation to you at this point in time is that that, that, that transition to becoming a building level leader needed to be delayed a little bit because you had to have given everything you wanted to that environment of coaching so that you're able to then do other things in that in that realm is a piece of advice that I've given for almost 30 years now or 20 years now. Um, so you have to love the lifestyle. The other thing is you have to be okay with um, not having closure to things. So there are very few days where I leave and I have my, my to-do list and my tasks done. Um, there are very few days where I feel like, man, I accomplished a lot. Because I'm often not able to remember what I did that day to say that I accomplished anything and, and, and still be okay with those pieces. Um, I think some of my, my colleagues that are um, had their first couple of years as principals in the pandemic um, have had to experience certain things that 
had they had a different foundation of a couple of years of whatever normal was, they would be that the, what we've experienced the last two or three years wouldn't have been as trying for them. Um, but I also think that we are at a point where we have to, we have to then evaluate what's that normal piece. Um, Cheryl Turner, who um, does some trauma-informed care, did a presentation that I was attending earlier this, this summer. And she talked about the fact that everyone's talking about, well, we can't wait to get back to normal. What we need to recognize is normal's changed. And I'm not the same person I was three years ago when this started. And as a result of being a new person, the normal that I create after this is going to be different, look different and feel different. And that's all okay. Um, so as I crave what I perceive was a normal, I'm not even sure I know what that was prior to the pandemic. Um, Cause people will say, well, this is hard. Well, I hate to tell you this school has always been hard. Right. I mean, it's never, there's never, you know, doing this for 26 years, it's never been easy. There's always been hard hardness to it. Um, and so I don't know what we think will be easier um, when we have, uh, when we're not dealing with some of the pandemic decisions that we have to make. So I would, I, my, my, my advice is no different. You got to love the lifestyle. If you love the lifestyle and you love the kids that you serve, then you'll, you'll be fine regardless of whether or not we're in masks or not. So. So interesting that you call it a lifestyle because I've never, I'm elementary. Scott okay. And so like thinking about, your work as a lifestyle, but it is for high school. It is because when you think about all the events and, and your clubs and mm-hmm. just set up and the structure of everything, it truly is. Mm-hmm. And like you said, some things are very similar, right? Yep. Elementary, middle and high school, um, because those are the same issues um, that we just deal with, but, um, and work with, but yes, high school certainly is a, a lifestyle. But I think if you think about it, your your elementary experience was still a lifestyle as well. It just it just you know you had fun night. I mean you, just, you know there was I mean it was just it was it was a there just, was a different just rhythm. different yeah just, 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 yeah. just different. But it is it is a lifestyle, and you got to love the lifestyle. If you go into I, I love that. If you go into education, use that if you don't mind. No, please do. <laughs> I might. I'll give you credit though. No, you're gonna have to. But I mean, I yeah, you gotta love the the syllabus. <laughs> but yeah, you gotta love. You have to. You have to love the lifestyle. If you don't love the lifestyle as a teacher, you're certainly not gonna love the lifestyle when you make a decision to become, you know, responsible for more things that you're not in control of. All right, Miss Casada, I just I'm quoting you from here on out. That works. Thank you. <laughs> um, for for my last question, um, I uh, was going to ask about how you protect your priorities, um, and you can answer that one if you if you want. But I also um, your discussion of lifestyle, and and because you kind of talked a little bit about with your non negotiable an- answers and the way in which you. Uh, share leadership with staff and how you ask them questions. Some of that allows you to filter out, which is another way of protecting your, your priorities. So maybe I, I'll ask you, and, and this is something I've done with, with students in, in courses, which is um, thinking about how do they, um, how do they protect themselves from the energy draining aspects of, of the work? Or how do they, and maybe in a more positive, how do they build themselves up? Uh, on a regular basis, positive habits, whatever those may be, uh, make sure that they don't let go of those bucket fillers in their own lives so that they can give what they need to give to work, but also give what they need to give when they get home, whenever that happens to be. That's a great question. It's a great question. And it's something that I um, have struggled with. Um, So my story is, my story is a little, uh, 
So when I first got into administration, I was single. Um, I wasn't married and I didn't have children. And so I didn't have to, the protection of my time looked different or the protection of kind of my bucket fillers looked different. And so when I got to East, um, I was, I found myself married. I found myself pregnant at the age of 40 uh, with uh, our son. And I had to relearn a few things um, because um, I, I, I liked control. I was soon about to learn how to not be in control. Um, I also think there's um, a different expectation and, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to be controversial with this, but I do think there's a different expectation of women in roles of, of leadership, especially high school principals than there is of men. And then you add on the responsibility of being a mom on top of that. Um, there were years in my, in my early career in this, in this role where I didn't feel good about any of it. I didn't feel, um, and I've never, I've never been one to have a, a whatever that work-life balance thing is. I don't, the, I don't know what the hell that is. And I've never known it. I've, I've, ne- I've never known it. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it feels like. I've never known it. Um, but I've had to learn to be okay in the moment, be knowing that I'm doing the best that I can being a mom, being a principal, being a wife, being a sister, being a daughter, being a friend. And depending upon what's happening in those roles, um, something's going to get a greater priority of mine than others. Um, so for example, my father is in his eighties. He's, in, I, you know, I'm now working on parenting an, an aging adult. Um, you know, so doing some things like that, um, what I've learned to do is give myself forgiveness. Um, I've learned to be okay with things not being completely done, whether it be the dishes at home or my laundry um, or um, uh, maybe a report that I have to do. Um, maybe it's, I haven't fine-tuned all of my appraisals like I should have at this point in the in third quarter for probationary staff. Not that I'm admitting anything to all of you, but maybe I still <laughs> there. Um, so there's just certain things that I know I won't get back. So it's, it's, you know, going on the band trip and taking my husband and my son with me. And then, so I'm still going on the band trip. I'm still supporting kids, but I'm also bringing along the two most important people. So they get to experience something that I'm passionate about, which is music education and opportunities for kids. So I've learned how to, how to negotiate those pieces. I have never been, I've never been an Uber exerciser. I mean, you know, I like people that get up at like 4.30 in the morning to exercise. I don't even know what that's like. I, you know, if I'm going to get up at 4.30, I'm going to drink coffee and read a book. Um, <laughs> but I, I figured out how to kind of, I figured out how to kind of do some of that to bring, uh, bring me kind of some peace and some solace. Um, so I, during the school year, um, I don't read as much educational work as I do during the summer when I have more time. So during the school year, I read more for leisure. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, take walks. Um, you know, I go outside and play basketball with Tate when it's the nice weather's outside. We, we play more board games. We do some of those pieces um, so that when I, 
when I can say to my husband on Sunday, when we're going through the whole schedule for the week, well, it's basketball district. So I have basketball tonight. I have basketball on, on Tuesday. I have basketball on Wednesday. We have parents conferences on Thursday. So Friday is when I got nothing going on. And so we can approach that week saying, okay, so this is what we did on the weekend to spend some time as a family. Um, but I don't, I, I think the people, I think some folks who really strive for that work-life balance need to recognize the fact that it doesn't exist. Um, and, it, and that's okay. I mean, that's not a criticism. It just doesn't, it, it does, there are times where it's really balanced and times when it's not. I take great vacations. Um, I go on three strictly reading vacations where I go to a beach and do nothing um, but read for four days. I don't take my husband with me. I don't take my son with me. Um, and I'm sorry that the Pledge of Allegiance is going on right now and I'm not standing, but it's okay. Um, so, so there's just certain things like that. And then I try to be intentional and take vacations with them. So it's just all about them. Um, so to answer your question, Scott, I think it's, you've got to figure out what your, where your priorities are. And my priorities are being a good principal, being a good wife and spouse, being a good daughter and sister and family. Um, and then everything else just kind of flows. And there are moments where I think some of those decisions are more important than others. And so the nice piece about the team that I work with is they recognize that. So they'll be there to pick up some of those pieces if I have to take my dad to the doctor or if I, you know, and that's for situation. And that's, that's the blessing of my life. Yeah. So recognizing those blessings and, and, and being good with how, and then helping others find those blessings as well. It's a little longer answer that's, than I intended. No, that's terrific. And that is along the lines of what I was trying to trying to help them understand. So I'll, I can refer them to, to the, to this answer. Um, so, that, so they can hear somebody else um, talk about it. And that's that one idea of let go of the idea that you're going to ever feel balanced um, because you're not. And, nope. and, and all it takes is um, some sort of family emergency mm -hmm. to really find out that you can't focus on work if there's a family emergency. And then you realize that balance doesn't exist and, and that you will give, give more time and energy to one or the other. And what we just talked about is be in the space you're at. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, yep. if I'm here, then that's where I'm, that's where my focus is. And I, and I'm not giving as much something else. And, and if I'm not here, then I'm not, then I'm not guilty about that because, because we have that. But I think one of the things that you said, uh, which um, I, I think more people uh, in the, in these roles would, would benefit from was, would literally the communication about what my week um, appears mm -hmm. to look like right now. It's not yeah. even going to be that, but this is what I think it's going to be. This is where, where, you know, you're not going to have me or I'm not going to be there in the same way that you might want me, or it's going to be harder because of, and I think even just that, that, that level setting of expectations for yourself and for the people that um, are going to count on you um, can alleviate um, some of the stress of not being there and also can help uh, people understand uh, what that lifestyle is mm -hmm. when they are with a school administrator because totally. it is a because it's a different thing you know it's you know the you know, if you're a college coach's um uh spouse they're going to be gone a lot i mean mm -hmm. there's there, there's things that come with the territory we don't mm -hmm. always know that when we when we engage with somebody that they're going to go on to this to this role that's going to uh, you know, chew up a lot of life but but it's that the communication of how things have evolved or how mm -hmm. things have changed or what I need to be successful at my job. And what do you need for me to be successful at this? So I think that's the, that was a great, great way to look at it. 
before we before we move on to, I just want to point out, I'm so glad that you spoke about that because um, it's important for, and no disrespect to the, to the hard work that fathers also <laughs> do, um, but you know, it is a little bit different from others, right? And mm-hmm. I think from all of that, what I heard you say was like, you have to give yourself grace. Yes. Because you have the best intent on doing yep. everything, like what your calendar says, right? Mm-hmm. That needs to be done and that should be done or what the perception of what should be mm-hmm. done. But it's okay if you just don't get the dishes done. And like, that drives me crazy at home. Yeah. Like, I'm right. so well. tired that, and all I have to do is just to get them and put them in the dishwasher. You know what I mean? But it's just kind of like, I just, I don't feel like it. And, but then it beats me up, right? Because I'm like, it's just, it's so, it's such an easy task. But it's just so hard to give yourself grace. And it is a skill that you have to learn. And you yes. have to be yes. able to be intentional mm-hmm. about being okay when you don't or when you aren't able to do every single thing that mm-hmm. you feel or that the perception is that you must do, especially as a woman in leadership, especially mm-hmm. as a mother in leadership, especially when you feel like you already have to work a thousand times harder mm-hmm. because you are a woman um, in leadership. And so uh, thank you so much for sharing that because it was a great lesson for me to just remember. It's nice to just hear that every once well, in a while. And it's just, it's, back I into. it's just, yeah, I think it's just something that, you know, and again, I mean, it's just, it's the reality of, and, and I embrace it. And I'm, and again, like Scott said, it's the communication within the family structure and within the community structure of these are the things, you know, so for example, I didn't cover basketball on Saturday night because Tate was singing the national anthem at an event and stuff. So just knowing where, where I can give and where those priorities are. And then just saying, this is at this point a non-negotiable because I miss these other events because of these things. It's just really for me an important piece. So the, the, the thing that that, that's a great example of uh, what I, what I would see too often with, with some of my principals, which was they were all about family for their staff and not nearly enough about family for themselves. themselves. And that, that, um, that shared leadership piece is exactly that. Like, Oh, by the way, I'm going to model that Mm -hmm. we go home for our family sometimes with, Mm -hmm. with nothing accomplished today that was on our list. Yep. So yeah. Awesome. All right. The last thing we do is a red round, which is 60 seconds of, uh, High intensity, controversial, and challenging questions. Okay. Dr. Holden has. <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, just some fun ways to end uh, sure. end our conversation. So thank you. First thing that just comes to your mind when I ask the question, you usually like or questions. Okay. All right. You're ready. All right. Yep. Okay. Scott, you got the timer? I got the timer. All One right. Minute. Let's go. Insects or animals? Animals. Winter or summer? Summer. Plane, train, bus, or car? Oh, car. Relaxing or on the go? Relaxing. Spicy or mild? Oh, spicy. Caffeine or natural energy? Oh my God, caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) Horror, drama, or comedy? Drama. Lunch duty or staff meeting? Oh, lunch duty. Way easier. <laughs> Is that about a minute? Because that's all I got. I can come up with. <laughs> no, it's great. That was great. Oh, my goodness. Um, love it, love it, love it. Well, it was so good to see you. It was again. so good to see you, Scott. So thank and you guys very much for everything. Yes, it was a pleasure meeting you. Very I nice meeting you. I'm going to meet well. you in person sometime. That's, I would like to do that. I would love to do that. So. 
Well, yeah. you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you for asking me to be part of this. I was really honored. Absolutely. So, we have the pleasure having you.